0: Section nineteen of the South American Republics Volume two by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Natar. Part four Ecuador Chapter two The Spanish Conquest The Fratricidal War lasting seven bloody years exhausted the resources of the northern and central provinces of the Inca Empire and raised the spirit of factions to a bitter pitch. Hardly had the last battle been fought when Pizarro landed on the northern Peruvian coast. The moment could not have been more favorable. The story of Atahualpa's capture, of Pizarro's intrigues with the different Inca factions, and of his triumphal march to Cusco through a country distracted by civil feud, belongs rather to the history of Peru than of Ecuador. With Atahualpa's death and the defeat of Quisquis near Cusco, Quito was left without a master the country had been drained of able-bodied men by atahualpa's levies and bands of troops who found their way back from peru fought among themselves the indefatigable Canyaris rose again against the quito authorities and following the fatal example set by the huascar party in peru applied to the spaniards from san miguel the colony which pizarro had established at pura in the valley where the road from the ecuador table lent the debouches into the coast plain Sebastián de Benalcázar led a force of 200 Spaniards to their assistance. Ascending the cordillera, he was joined by great numbers of Indians in Loja, Cuenca, and Cañar, and crossed the Azuay before he encountered the meager force of the Quito generals. Horses and firearms gave the Spaniards an easy victory, and their enemies retreated to the defenses of Tiocajas this locality was once more fated to be the scene of a battle the size of ecuadorian history ben alcazar and his allies were victorious but at such a cost that he thought seriously of giving up the enterprise tradition recites that the giant volcano cotopaxi burst forth into a terrific eruption after the battle and that the midnight explosions were heard scores of miles along the plateau To the Indians this was an infallible sign of the displeasure of the sun-god. Trembling with superstitious fear, they retreated in disorder. Ben Alcazar crossed Tiocajas without resistance, and overran the country as far north as Quito, taking possession of the city in December 1533. Meanwhile Almagro had been hurrying up from Peru with reinforcements, and on his way along the plateau fell in with a third expedition under Alvarado, governor of guatemala coming from panama on his own account and landing on the coast a long distance north of guayaquil alvarado had succeeded in forcing his way through the dense forests and rain-soaked defiles and debouched on the plateau near riobamba almagro paid him one hundred thousand dollars to withdraw and ben was entrusted with the completion of the conquest he had so well begun disappointed in the search of gold Ben Alcazar divided the country into feudal lordships, enslaving the Indians and compelling them to pay tribute. His restless energy was not satisfied with the conquest of the old Cara kingdom, and he soon led an expedition of one hundred and fifty Spaniards and four thousand Indians against the coast provinces, and founded the city of Guayaquil, whose magnificent and sheltered port, the best on the Pacific coast, gave independent access to the sea. Though the passes leading from Guayaquil to Riobamba were far more tedious than the southern ones from Pura Tuloja, they brought Quito two hundred miles nearer the ocean, and their use made Ecuador independent of northern Peru. Hardly had Benalcazar returned to the table land and gone north to conquer southern Colombia, when the tribes near Guayaquil attacked and destroyed the settlement. His lieutenant at Quito dispatched another expedition pizarro sent reinforcements by sea and the place was refounded again was it destroyed and only in fifteen thirty seven when pizarro sent up orellana with an adequate force was a permanent settlement made on the site where to-day is the largest and richest city of ecuador Benalcázar had conquered quito in the name and under the authority of pizarro and the latter now named his brother gonzalo governor Confident of finding another Peru in the unknown regions of the east of his new domain, the younger Pizarro enlisted hundreds of adventurers, and in the beginning of 1541 led the largest and best-equipped expedition yet assembled in South America down the declivities of the Andes. Difficulties began as soon as he reached the sweltering, steaming forest region. Rain fell unceasingly the soft clay of the defiles afforded no footing instead of finding stone highways like those over which they had marched in their conquest of the tableland the spaniards had to cut tracks along the mountain sides through the matted vegetation provisions ran short clothes rotted arms rusted no villages or tribes possessing food were encountered finally gonzalo was obliged to halt the main army sending a detachment under Orellana, the second in command, on ahead to find provisions. Orellana followed down a stream which soon grew large enough to be navigable. He built boats and proceeded, but still found no signs of civilized inhabitants. Fearing that he could never ascend the river to the main body, he determined to keep on, confident that ultimately he must reach the ocean. The river he was descending is now called the Napo, after a course of nearly a thousand miles it flowed into the amazon and down the latter's broad current orellana and his little band floated to the atlantic there built a little ship and finally made their way to spain hearing nothing of orellana gonzalo gave up and climbed back to quito with a starving and naked remnant of his men there he learned of the assassination of his great brother at lima and that Vaca de Castro, the royal commissioner appointed to settle the disputes between the partisans of Almagro and Pizarro, had passed through Ecuador on his way south to Peru, appointing another governor for Quito. Gonzalo retired to Charcas in southern Bolivia, whence he emerged a year later to head the great rebellion. The viceroy was compelled to fly from Lima, and landing at Tumbez made his way to Quito. The Spaniards in Ecuador and Southern Colombia were against Pizarro, but the latter chased the Viceroy out of Quito and north into Papayan, where Benalcazar took sides with him. Four hundred Spaniards accompanied the Viceroy in a counter invasion, but near the city he was completely defeated and decapitated, as he lay wounded on the field. Gonzalo, now undisputed lord of the whole Inca Empire, returned at his leisure to Lima. The tale of how Gasca, shrewd old priest, by intrigue and conciliation, re-established royal authority, and brought Pizarro to the scaffold, does not especially affect the history of Ecuador. By 1550 the civil wars were over, the unruly original conquistadors had been executed, banished, or reduced to obedience. Shortly afterward, the system of Indian tribute and slavery was modified, so that although the proprietors got rich, the aborigines were saved from rapid extermination, royal officials and functionaries were installed, an elaborate system of taxation established, and Ecuador, with the rest of Spanish America, entered upon a long period of exploitation under form of law, instead of being the haphazard prey of irresponsible private adventurers for the next two hundred and fifty years ecuador has no history the occasional eruption of a volcano or an indian insurrection is all one finds in the annals except the interminable lists of the spanish officials sent out to enrich themselves and the crown at the expense of the hapless indians the spanish occupation brought about no colonization of ecuador in the true sense of that word although it worked a considerable revolution in the life and customs of the indians who continued to constitute the bulk of the population indeed the habitable area of the andean plateau was so limited and the aboriginal population so numerous that there was no room for immigration without a war of extermination the cultivable area of andean ecuador barely exceeds eight thousand square miles and it is probable that more than a million natives lived there in the time of the Caras and Incas. Even at the present day, these eight thousand miles contain more than two thirds of the total population, and not more than four hundred thousand people inhabit the two hundred and eighty thousand square miles of high, barren mountains, steep declivities of the Cordillera, and wooded plains on the coast and in the Amazon Valley, which constitute the remainder of Ecuador. One of the important results of the Spanish occupation was the introduction of a new food plants and domestic animals. Wheat and barley were early planted by the Castilian proprietors, who had divided the country among themselves, and these grains quickly replaced the quinoa, which, with the potato, had been the chief reliance of the caras. The cultivation of the potato, and also of maize, was, however, continued. The Spanish invaders introduced the plantain and banana which immediately became the staples of the forested and tropical districts, making possible a great increase of population. The plateau was found suited to European fruits, and orchards were soon flourishing in its more favoured parts. Rice, indigo, and sugar cane were also introduced, and an export trade in these articles grew up, as well as in the natives cacao and sarsaparilla the spanish rulers effected radical changes in the political social and religious life of the civilized indians a certain apathy and fatalism seems characteristic of the american aborigine and in ecuador trained through countless centuries to the patriarchal rule of his own chiefs he submitted to the exactions and innovations of his new masters According to Spanish constitutional law and practice, America was not a component part of the mother kingdom, but the new continent was regarded as the personal property of the king of Castile, its lands, mines, and inhabitants being his to dispose of at pleasure. The viceroy at Lima was the monarch's lieutenant, only responsible to the king himself or to the advisory board known as the Council of the Indies. For great territorial divisions, like Ecuador, this power was delegated to governors, and the corregidors were likewise unrestrained within the smaller subdivisions. The Indians were regarded as mere chattel, and the tribute exacted from every adult was a logical consequence of their legal status. In theory, even the Spanish residents had no rights to self-government, nor did any constitutional guarantees of life or property exist but such a despotism largely existed only on paper the spaniards who came to south america brought with them their characteristic constitutional traditions and personal independence instinctively they flocked into cities and organized municipal governments after the time honoured spanish form so a system came into existence which had the sanction of the people's cooperation and was therefore workable the country districts were left to the indians and as long as they paid their tribute to the crown or to the spaniards who claimed the land they tilled little heed was paid to the form of civil government among them the influence of their hereditary chiefs survived for centuries and their old laws and customs died out only by degrees in the cities contact between spaniards and indians was closer in process of time the increasing number of half-breeds aided in the process of amalgamation and even the pure-blood indians of the fields and villages learned much of what their masters had to teach them the church however operated more powerfully than any other influence in making ecuador spanish within a few years after the conquest a regular bishopric was established in quito and hundreds of priests and friars flocked over to take part in the wholesale evangelization of the heathen natives the gospel was preached everywhere churches and chapels built in even the smallest villages the obdurate indians were treated with scant ceremony and it soon became well understood among the natives that a hearty acceptance of the christian cult tended to keep them out of trouble ecuador quickly became one of the most devotedly catholic countries in the world and has ever since remained so the crown and the landed proprietors made lavish gifts to the cause of religion and a great proportion of the property of the country ultimately fell into the hands of the religious orders quito has appropriately been called the city of convents And if we are to believe the accounts of travelers in colonial times, half the population must have been priests, monks, and nuns. The introduction of Christianity among the Indians aided powerfully in spreading a knowledge of the Spanish language, but was more effective in substituting the Quechua for the ancient local tongues. The evangelists found it easier to preach to all the tribes in one language, and quechua was naturally chosen since it was already in the most general use as the official medium of the inca empire the spanish priests reduced it to written form and it became a lingua franca which was understood among all the nations of the andean plateau very much as guarani was among the indians of the atlantic slope the details of spanish civil military and financial administration in ecuador did not differ greatly from those in the other provinces and there is no need to repeat them here the peaceable character of the ecuador indians made the maintenance of a standing army or even of a militia unnecessary a few companies of troops in each of the principal towns and the natural military aptitude of the spanish residents was sufficient to suppress any symptoms of rebellion, and to keep the Indians at work for their masters. Happily for the natives, no great finds of silver or gold were made, except in the southern province of Loja, and forced labor in the mines did not decimate the population, as happened in Bolivia and parts of Peru. Spaniards did not emigrate to any considerable extent, and Negro slavery flourished on the seacoast. The only schools were priest seminaries, in which little except theology was taught, and the level of intellectual culture among the Creoles sank very low. Taxes were heavy, public employments and titles of nobility were openly sold by the government, commerce amounted to little, because little gold and silver was mined, and other articles would not bear the heavy transportation charges and the exactions of restrictions of the Spanish colonial system the magnificent stone highways which the cara and inca monarchs had built were allowed to fall into ruins but their remnants are to be seen even to this day on the table-land near cuenca still solid in spite of the storms and earthquakes of four centuries population on the plateau slowly decreased quito had been a great city while it was the cara capital the residence of huayna and atahualpa and in 1735, Ulloa estimated that it contained over 70,000 people, but at the end of the 18th century, it had fallen to less than 40,000. However, the introduction of the plantain undoubtedly brought about an increase of population in the coast provinces, and Guayaquil flourished with the cultivation of cacao and sugar cane no great figure of a soldier reformer or administrator stands out among all the hundreds of officials who were sent over from spain to rule the country even records of the growth of jealousies between spaniards and creoles such as we encounter in other countries of south america are wanting the creoles appear never to have been able to interrupt the monotonous course of spanish administration in 1564 the old kingdom of quito with the addition of some outlying colombian and peruvian provinces was erected into a presidency and a royal audiencia or court of appeals with important administrative functions was established the viceroy of lima continued to exercise nominal jurisdiction over all spanish south america until the year 1719 when the viceroyalty of new granada was first created The Quito presidency was attached to the new jurisdiction, and this emphasized the separation from Peru. Twelve hundred miles of crooked, wretched road intervened between Quito and Lima, while the distance to Bogotá was less than half as great. However, the natural outlet for the plateau from Cuenca north to Papayan was the road to Guayaquil, and the Quito presidency was therefore coextensive with a natural commercial subdivision of the continent. In 1736, a party of scientists commissioned by the King of France came to Quito for the purpose of measuring an arc of the earth's meridian at the equator. These savants erected two pyramids to serve as a permanent record of the line they had measured, and placed upon them an inscription stating that the work had been done under the patronage of the King of France. Years afterwards, a Spanish official, offended in his national pride by the wording of the inscription, obtained an order from Madrid for the destruction of these monuments, so invaluable to the science of exact geography. The latter part of the eighteenth century was marked by a greater interest in education. The seminaries widened their courses of study to include something more than the canon law and the fathers and public-spirited creoles endowed new and better institutions of learning no press or periodical literature appeared but poetry and belles-lettres were cultivated with some success by native authors though the expulsion of the jesuits in seventeen sixty five was accomplished without bloodshed it resulted in no material weakening of ecclesiastical influence the revolutionary ideas which were transforming the political thought of the world during the eighteenth century hardly penetrated ecuador at all and whatever influence they had was confined to the small percentage of the population that boasted of non-indian blood the news of lexington and yorktown and the enfranchisement of british north america stimulated no similar movement among the patient indians and devout creoles of the andean valleys and even the tremendous cataclysm of the french revolution passed almost unnoticed end of section nineteen